Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hajisad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, midwinter human listeners. Greetings to everyone. Can you believe it? January is finally over. Well, it'll be over soon enough, Sammy. <laughs> Only a few more months of January. <laughs> um, now, listeners of this podcast, for the very first time, you guys should know this is not a uh, seasonal uh, reporting podcast. It's Instead, totally a seasonal, but we just rate the seasons. Like, yeah. <laughs> generally, it goes like this. Spring, three out of five. Summer, four out of five. Fall, full five out of five. Winter, one on five. And somehow we've managed to create 150 episodes of this, right? <laughs> you know, we're very creative people. I mean, obviously our number sche- number rating scheme doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room. <laughs> but we do our uh, best. We keep, no, it, really. we keep it fun. We keep winter fun as it's ben, crushing us. I'm trying to explain the podcast to the people while your seasonal depression is kicking in. Here we go. The people should know that Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists. We drive all kinds of cool cars. And we get to talk to them about talk to them talk about them to the people. Isn't that true, Ben? Sure. And sometimes we drive cars that aren't so cool as well. Sometimes uh, those are the best episodes. Yeah, usually those are the best episodes. Um, before we get started, Ben, I want you to pl- plug a couple of the publications that you've been writing for lately. Where can I find your work? You can find my work at Motor Trend, Automobile, and Driving Line. Ooh, and you can find my work at autotrader.ca as well as nouveaumagazine.com. And all of my old work is over at autoguide.com as well. You, so, Ben. Actually, auto, uh, uh, I, I want to point out that Nuvo is spelled N U V O. Oh, yes, of course. Don't I go forgot. to the other Nuvo.com, <laughs> especially if you're at work. And especially if you want to find my content. <laughs> ben, talk to me about the car you drove this week. So, uh, as, is, as is our custom, uh, it was another BMW. Uh, I know it's been a very heavy uh, winter for for BMWs, uh, but this is the last one for a little while. So I decided to make it count, Sammy, and I picked up a 2020 BMW X6 M50. X6 M50. Okay. Now, all of those uh, letters and numbers must mean something important, right? Yes. Well, no. I mean, they mean something. Whether it's important or not, that depends on the listener, I think. But the X6 is completely redesigned for this year. Sammy, didn't you drive it uh, about eight months ago? Exactly eight months ago. Yes. How did you know? Launch. So it just it just recently went on sale, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe a couple months ago. And it's the coupe. I hate to say this. It's the four-door coupe version of the X5 SUV. So what that means... Those words don't mean anything. No. Honest, what, what that means is it's it's as big as a as a X5. So it's it's a... I mean, I guess you could call it full-size at this point. Sport utility vehicle. Mm-hmm. With not nearly as much practicality because the rear cargo area is sloped quite dramatically. And that really cuts into things like visibility and cargo space. And uh, it it honestly does not look that great. It's mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it's ugly, but I I, w- I would call it ugly. I it, would say this is a not an unattractive vehicle. It just has some very unflattering angles, particularly from the rear. It, it's it's unusual in the sense that it's likely took the previous generation X6 shape and then kind of stretched it out 
But you know how like <laughs> you know how like with a graphics editing program or something, you can like pick one point. It's like it's like they held the middle with their finger and then mm. they pulled the back end. <laughs> yeah. So this just the back end stretched out and it kind of sticks out behind the rear wheels more than it should and it's very busy back there. There's a lot of vents and uh, cutouts and swoops and and I don't know all sorts of bumper stuff going on. <laughs> bumper stuff. Bumper I stuff. I will admit that you're right in the way that the X6 is a very busy design and the proportions don't end up looking very uh, flattering. I think to BMW's design language, but I guess you know I've I've had some issues with BMW's current design language, uh, exterior design language. And the X6 does not solve any of the problems that I had with it. No, I, but I think the X5 is a decent-looking vehicle. So from some angles, the X6 looks okay because it kind of mimics the X5 in, in, in I guess, mm-hmm. from a base DNA perspective. But overall, it's it's the less attractive cousin and the less practical cousin of the X5. Okay, but it is a four-door SUV. I don't know how we call it a coupe. I know they describe it as a sport activity vehicle in which the activity is sitting in a SUV. <laughs> the activity is sitting. Uh, it, it's the kind of vehicle where, you know, I, as I just described it, it's obviously the X5 is the, the more logical choice. So why do you buy the X6? Because it's more expensive. Because it's, I think it's a little bit wider. Because it's a little more in your face. And because it's the kind of vehicle that just truly says, I bought this because I can, not because yeah. I needed it. Because no one needs this. If you needed something practical of this size you would have bought something practical of this size so it's clearly a lifestyle (laughs) choice yeah and i mean in that case what is the lifestyle we're looking at here and how does the car's uh performance relate to the relate to the, the the design is there any relationship at all well the car has that bonkers twin turbo v8 the Love same the one that was in the M550 that we talked about recently, and the uh, M the eight so much M M850i yeah. Grand Coupe. It's mm-hmm. uh, 523 horsepower and 553 pound feet of torque, and that torque comes on at like 1800 RPM. So with launch control, which boosts RPM to 2800 uh, with your foot on the brake, you will hit zero to sixty in 3.8 seconds, which is great. Because this vehicle is really huge and really heavy, and it will do the quarter mile in 12.3 seconds. It it defies (laughs) physics, Sammy. It is a bonkers quick truck. And, uh, you know, I used to feel a little out of control when I was driving vehicles like the X6 and the X5 quickly, but I no longer feel that way. It's, it's It's almost like they've somehow created this reality suspension field around the vehicle when you're mm-hmm. driving it in regular traffic or kind of on a, a regular back road on a racetrack. It's very, very clear. I haven't driven this generation on a racetrack. I've driven the X six M the previous one right. on a racetrack. And that it's very clear that, you know, computers are doing everything, but on a, on the street, the current model, it's a little more transparent. It doesn't feel like a driver's vehicle at all, but you also don't kind of feel like you're in a video game. It's just exceptionally fast all the time. Uh, that's really interesting that you brought up the past generation X6M. In terms of performance, this car isn't even that far away from what the um, the old X6, the full-fledged M vehicle was like. This is very close to it in terms of straight-line speed. Yes. I, I am so impressed with the, with the way that um, BMW can deliver that power to the road and initiate and make a car that heavy. Um, that fast. I think that's really impressive, and a lot of kudos should go towards their not only just the engine, but probably the drivetrain that allows that much performance to be accessible. 
And the other thing that's nice about the car is that unlike the X6M or any of the M SUVs, um, even though this has M in the name, it's it, so yeah, it's that's... before the letters or the numbers or, you know, there's no real rhyme or reason to it. Just understand that the X6M50i versus the X6M with no numbers, the major differences are going to be in the suspension. And in the M50i, you have a much more livable on-the-street setup. It's comfortable. You can make it stiffer if you want because it has adjustable dampers. The version that I had had adjustable dampers. And uh, if you don't do that, you're really going to be comfortable even on, I mean, Montreal has some pretty. So basically, roads. if you keep it in the comfort mode or the standard settings, it'll be okay, right? Yeah, it's and okay. and that's something that I think most people will appreciate because no one is going to take this car to a track. I've been, I go to racetracks regularly. I never see SUVs. I think in ten years, I think I've seen someone take a Cayenne on the track once. And I think I saw an X5M one time. And I think in one of those cases, it was because their regular track car had broken down. So it's just not something people do. And it's much more practical to have a comfortable, fast vehicle than to have a razor-sharp, super behemoth-type vehicle that you're cruising around in. Right. Now, there's more to this vehicle than just the performance and the styling. I want to talk about the interior because I think the interior is maybe one of the better parts of the X6. Is that? Do you agree with me on that or no? Uh, You know, it's hard to say. I think that the X6's interior, it's a match for the 5 Series that we talked about recently a couple Mm -hmm. weeks ago where I was, you know, very complimentary. Um, The Grand Coupe has a great interior as well. And I would certainly put the X6 up there in terms Mm -hmm. of, like, fit, finish, quality, and layout. And that's despite the fact that it has all those gimmicks that we always um, (laughs) rant about. Oh, funny story about gimmicks. Oh, no. So the day I picked up the X6. Every time. (laughs) I was driving a colleague to another fleet location and her son was in the back seat. And um, she was talking to me and she was gesturing with her hands while she was speaking. And a call Mm. came in on the Bluetooth and her gesturing while she was discussing rejected the call. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Like, right, like no, I didn't even have a chance to do anything. And then five minutes later on the same trip, she accidentally activated the BMW voice concierge oh, just yeah. by saying the word BMW in some combination that the car thought we wanted it to talk. And then it accidentally programmed some navigation destination based on what she had been saying. So it was just like a it was a, a folly. Like everything was kind of everything wrong with those two systems was combined in that one moment. And it really made me realize how much of a gimmick uh gesture control and voice concierge style activation really is. So you'll never use those systems in a way that uh, they're meant to be used. No, you'll only ever use them accidentally and in a completely frustrating scenario. There you go. Okay, that makes sense. Um so then the interior is not bad. You like you liked it. Um, the performance is pretty impressive. Let's talk about the price tag and whether or not you would recommend this thing to anybody. I don't recommend it to anyone. Yeah. Uh, but I don't... It's like a car that you need to want instead of, like, instead of actually seeking it out, right? Yeah, nobody, would go, nobody would be like, I'm looking for a car. What do you think of this X6? But, no, yeah, it's more yeah, of like a... It, you gotta let me finish that thought. I, okay, I, I'm, sorry. I, I don't recommend it to anyone, but I also don't disrecommend it. I wouldn't steer someone necessarily away from it if someone like you said was seeking out an x6 Mm -hmm. and they wanted an x6 then there's nothing about the vehicle itself that is off-putting exactly i agree with this i 100 percent agree with this the x6 for people who want x6 it's the silliest thing in the world right the x6 is the best x6 that's out there (laughs) and i know that sounds obtuse but (laughs) but there are other x6s 
The like the Mercedes GLE Coupe, for example, which I have not driven. I haven't driven. Or the Cayenne. Uh, I don't know what it's called. Coupe. <laughs> there's no Cayenne Coupe. There is a Cayenne Coupe. There is not. Yeah, there is. No, there's not. <laughs> I'm in love with the fact that you deny that this car exists. It does not exist whatsoever. <laughs> okay, fine. So, um, anyway, uh, you were talking about the price. It starts at eighty six nine. Oh, okay. <laughs> but that's that's for the M fifty. It's twenty grand more than the X X Drive forty model, which oh, is, has wow. the twin turbo V six or sorry okay. straight six. Um, I don't know whether it's, I think performance wise, you're like a second faster, at least maybe a half second, you get the better sound. I, I really like the sound programming inside the car. I know it's sad to say that because like much of that engine noise is fake. Some of it's real. If you put the windows down, you can hear the exhaust. Uh, it sounds more aggressive than the five series I was driving, but, uh, that's so it, fil- well, you, I guess you option it up and you're at Sorry, 100. that's the point of the car though, to be kind of like loud, right? In if terms you, of visual appeal and now exhaust settings right yeah and and if you option it up you're at like ninety nine thousand very quickly it's not hard to do so again it's not it's not a vehicle i would ever recommend but it's not a vehicle if you if you wanted this i mean and you drive it and you accept its limitations i don't think you're going to be disappointed because i'm not sure exactly i'm not sure what you really want in a car if you're buying it but it's the same thing as if you were to buy like you know, like if you buy a GTR, like a, a mm-hmm. Nissan GTR, it's it's as impractical as the X6 in a lot of ways. Um, it, it, Actually, it, I'm not sure about that, Ben. I think you know a GTR has its uh, has an entire segment of other cars that can be classified with it, right? Like so does the X6. These crossover coupes, you yeah, mean? yeah, yeah. I mean that the whole segment is unnecessary. Yes. Yes, I'm not denying that. I mean, there's the X4, there's the GL, just a GLE coupe. The GL, there's the yeah. there's the GLC coupe now. Yeah. But uh, it's it's just, you know, there are impractical cars out there that people enjoy, and it's it's hard for me to come down on somebody who likes something different than I do. And just okay. because this car doesn't, you know, people will be like, oh, the GTR is really fast and you can take it to a racetrack. I'm like, yeah, it's also very heavy and it's not really a driver's car. It's it's also got a lot of software doing a lot of stuff for you, which is totally fine. Um, someone enjoys the look of the X6. If someone enjoys the comfort it gives them and they don't ever plan on hauling anything in the back, then what right. does it really matter? You know, like that's what they wanted. So if, if you're okay, if you understand what you want and you don't buy it thinking it's going to be useful – then I think that's fine. I mean, in a world where my approval means anything to someone spending 99 grand on an X6. Yeah, dear listener, if you want a big car that isn't practical in its bigness, uh, but is very fast, then this is the car for you. Well, like, it, isn't, that, isn't that it? Let's go even further. What's the difference between an X6 and an M850i Coupe? Uh, an M850i Coupe. Well, one is um, a considerably more attractive. Okay, in your eyes, okay, and I <laughs> yes. agree. I agree, but I'm just saying. I also saying, think the uh, the X6 has. You're talking about the Grand Coupe or just the two door? No, the Coupe, uh, the two door. So then it has less cargo room and less passenger room than the X6. They're probably mm-hmm. both as fast. Handling maybe is marginally better in the eight. Marginally. Yeah, on a racetrack, I don't know because that 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 all wheel drive system in the X6 is pretty damn good. Yeah, so, but even like responsive, you can't deny the physics that are involved in in something that's a little I think bit they t- weigh tall, almost. Right? I think they weigh almost the same. But what about the height, the, the center of gravity, and stuff? Sure, like I'm that? sure that would at the limit 
maybe that makes a difference on the it's street. Just in terms of responsiveness, the, on the, the street you'll never notice it. I mean, the the eight series is not a driver's car. It's no. just not. No. And the X6 is not a driver's car. So what does it matter? They're both they're both different sides of the same impractical coupe uh, coin. Yeah. And one of them is traditional, so it gets a pass. And the yeah. other one is new and not attractive looking. So, <laughs> so, so, so society <laughs> society's yeah. standards have shamed the X6. When in reality, both of these vehicles, they fill very specific tiny niches. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I... I I, I realize this is a devil's advocate argument. It is. I mean, I I am okay with telling people that the X6 is good because it is it it is good to the people who want it. For everybody else, there's that isn't going to be a useful car. It is just it's impractical. It's expensive. Um, it, it's a little ugly, and you can get the X5, which is more practical, which is more affordable, and just as good. Sammy just sent me a link to the Cayenne Coupe. Uh, I still don't believe it's real. I think it's just some <laughs> it's a like four hundred four. What did I send you? Dark web <laughs> thing. Uh, I had to. I had to input Bitcoin to access this link. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, I mean, I kind of that's that's I I my opinion of the X six did not used to be so nuanced. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And over time, I think I've kind of made peace with a lot of it. Uh, and I did like how it drove. I mean, I did like driving it on a daily basis. It was comfortable. It was warm in the winter. Uh, I didn't have, we had a bunch of snowstorms while I was, while I was driving it. It, it handled itself quite well. It was small enough to fit in parking garages, believe it or not. It was just, you know, I mean, aside from the styling, it, it didn't, my particular lifestyle fit with the X6. So I can understand many other people feeling the same way. But even if you had a lot of money, which I, 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 I'm, I'm not suggesting you don't have a lot of money, but would you spend $100,000 on an X6 if it fits your lifestyle? I, I, I'm not the target Isn't customer. Isn't that interesting? No, because – yeah, but I can't think of – there are a very – there's a very, 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 very short list of six mm-hmm. bigger cars I would consider. And that – I mean you can't be the only one that has that short of a list. I it's, think, exp- it's expensive. That is a lot to ask for. Yeah, but it's a lease payment for most people. They're not paying six figures for the car. So it's, it's, it's a kind of a different conversation at that point. All righty. Let's not have that conversation today. What do you think? Well, we've already kind of have. I mean, oh, no. <laughs> this podcast is about our conversation. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Uh-oh. Not about the seasons. Anything else you want to add about the X6 before we uh, trundle off in a different direction? No, I feel good about what I've said. I, you know what? Honestly, I feel a little bit more, a little bit more at calm inside. Having said that about the X6, I feel like it was a really big, a really big stumbling block for me to own up about my X6 feelings, and now they're out there, and I'm okay with what happened just now. So you're trying, you're trying to say that you used to be an X6. I don't want to say, I don't want to be as aggressive as saying a hater, but you didn't understand the X6. You didn't I like think it. the, I think the current X6 drivetrain in the M50 yeah. is really, really sweet. Okay, and, and so I now think you that become... helps with a lot of things. Yeah, it's it's won you over a bit. Ah, uh, maybe it's just opened my eyes. I think I think won me <laughs> I over. Is, you won't just say. This. I think won me over is too strong of a statement. Okay, all right. Well, I think we're making great progress here. This is good. <laughs> um, ben, I I did not drive a car this this week, but I did get a chance to take a look at a brand new vehicle. 
which is uh, kind of rare. Usually we have a whole bunch of updated vehicles and maybe new generations, but this is a whole new product from the Genesis automaker. This is Hyundai's luxury division. Um, Where did you go go to see this vehicle? I went to the site of Super Bowl this year, which is happening, I think, when this podcast is released, um, which is Miami in the USA. Okay, not 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 Miami, uh, not Miami. No, 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 no. This is Miami, Florida. Not Miami, Portugal. And which is interesting because the first, uh, the original first look of the vehicle was in Korea, which I think is um, is understandable. It's a Korean automaker, and the vehicle is made in Korea, so why not? But I think Hyundai is looking to make a really big impact with their newest vehicle. It's an SUV after after all, and for many people. Uh, around the world, the SUV trend is uh, is still very strong in North America. So what do you want to know about this thing, Ben? Well, I mean, you say it's an all-new platform. It, it, what's it based on? Is it is it because there's already a couple it's all of new. Rear, there's it's, all it, the vehicles that Genesis has sold so far are rear wheel drive with optional mm-hmm. all wheel drive. Is that the same thing for the GV80? It is uh, an all-new platform. It is a brand-new platform. It is not related to the G80s or G70s platform, which is kind of interesting. Um, and I agree. It's, it's, it is the same setup as the other vehicles, which is rear-wheel drive and uh, all-wheel, uh, optional all-wheel drive. Okay. Um, it uses uh, – I'm not quite sure about the, the transmission. I believe it's an eight-speed automatic transmission, but that I'm not sure has been confirmed um, specifically for our market. What we will have is a 2.5-liter turbo and a 3.5-liter turbo, which are two engines which I don't think have made it before in a Genesis product. What kind of cylinder count are we talking about here? It's, it's obviously not a 2.5 V6. It is a 2.5 four-cylinder and a 3.5 uh, six-cylinder. Okay. And they're expect- I don't have full numbers on these things, but they're expected to put out um, between three each, – each one is going to be around th- the 300-horsepower mark and the, and the six-cylinder will be around the 400-horsepower mark. It's a fairly large vehicle. Is it three-row uh, or two-row? So it will come as a two-row vehicle, but there's an optional third row as well. So think of the um, X5's optional third row. Oh, or but that's the, a terrible third row in the X5. Yeah, so maybe this is a bit bigger, actually. we do. I do have some specifications. It's a, it's a tiny bit larger than a GLE, and I think that means – but it's not – I don't. I wouldn't say it's as big as say a GLS or an X7 yet. So okay. it's a tweener, I guess is the best way to call it. Maybe this this is Genesis trying to attack the segment that the RXL has failed miserably in, and is offering a a kind of tweener there too. Um, as you can see, the vehicle it sports um, a design language that I think Genesis is trying to claim. It has these two very slim, bright headlights. Uh, a two lines on each side of the car originating from the headlights this is their kind of signature these two sharp lines and they kind of create a crease throughout the whole vehicle they're the the side the turn signal lamps are are reflective of those lights in the headlamps and then they've got this big old grill and they've got this special mesh in the grill which is also reflected in the wheels they're going to be offering 22 inch wheels on this car which i think is um they say is the largest in the class, which I think is wild. Well, it's part of the course, right? I mean, it's it's. Are they only going to be twenty two inches, or is no. the four cylinder going to? The the twenty two inches are for the uh, top end vehicle. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of the design. I think it's a bit of a conventional looking vehicle, but I think the the details are pretty good. Um, and then the interior design is probably where uh, Genesis really delivered 
in making a luxury vehicle. There's only one thing that I think um, – actually, a couple things that we should talk about. One, the steering wheel is this ginormous um, – it doesn't have very – it doesn't really have spokes. It's just a giant, like, piece in the middle, and that's it. Wait a minute. I don't understand. You're going to have to back <laughs> that up and explain to me. So I guess it's best described as a two-spoke steering wheel, right? Okay. But the spokes are big, chunky, and there's controls on them. And they and the the sort of area in which those controls um, sit on span the entire width of the steering wheel. So it's like a propeller almost. Uh, but a thicker one, that's for sure. I'll, okay. I'll send you over it. I don't, I'm not sure. familiar with the thickness of propellers, so I'm just going to take your word <laughs> on it, Mr. Aviation. Um, and then I'm, a, I'm pretty sold on the interior design, as I mentioned. There's a big 14-inch uh, screen that sits on top of the dash. There's a unique way of controlling the screen, which is a um, very similar to bmw's iDrive and the fact that there's a rotary controller with a touchpad on top of it but instead of that being sort of lifted up on the center console the rotary aspect is actually set into the trim so it's it's flush with the trim and that trackpad is is below it so it's kind of like a little scallop it's like a plate um in which case you you rotate the outer edge of this to control certain selections and then if you want to make more precise selections you would use the trackpad inside of it so so the quality of the interior i mean fit finish uh materials how does this stack up to the germans because i think that's really i mean it's nice to say that they're going after acura and lexus as you mentioned earlier with the rxl and whatnot but uh lexus is, is really a volume seller in that market and the the they don't really have a ton of prestige. The Arcs is, is is fine, but it's not you know it's not aspirational in the same way that a Mercedes or a BMW is. So I am assuming that Lexus is targeting the Germans rather than matching sorry, the Genesis. Japanese. Genesis, Genesis sorry. sorry. Yes, I agree with you. I think Genesis is definitely targeting the Germans here, and I think the fit and finish and the attention to detail and in the interior of this vehicle is very strong. We had pre production vehicles that. Um, that we were looking at. And there were a few areas where there were some um, less than stellar plastics. And um, there are some really interesting decisions that the, that the company has made in terms of attention to detail. For example, in the third row, there is laser cut um, uh, speaker covers, aluminum speaker covers, and they look really sharp. There's also a damp storage cover in the third row as well. Damp storage. What what are we talking about here? Damped, damped. Okay. So, (laughs) <laughs> that cover will uh, open and close very softly. I thought you very... meant like if we went fishing. And we put a fish in there. Yeah, or like two fish maybe because they're friends and you don't want them to be lonely. Oh, and yeah. that's they just, they just hang out there. I, mean, um, I don't know what fish do when I'm not around is what I'm saying, but damp, damp storage. But you know what they are doing when you are around. Or maybe I went surfing and that's where I put my wetsuit. Yeah, in that sto- – no, no. I mean damped storage, not damp storage. Sorry. Okay. Is damp uh, storage a marketing term? Damped. I think it's more of a. It's the cover is damped. Like the spring on the cover is is damped. Is you damped know? storage similar to dank storage? No. If I was to, can I get dank storage with the Genesis GV80? Uh, yep. Okay. <laughs> I'm just because sometimes it's just Korean market only. So I right. wanted to make I could get dank storage. Um, I want to talk my about memes. Some, what I want to talk. About- <laughs> 
I want to talk about some of the features that this vehicle has. Um, 80 gigabytes are, of dank storage. <laughs> yes. That are unique, that they say is unique. They have a center side airbag, which is an airbag that sits between the driver and the front passenger. Uh, it, it will deploy from the driver's side, and it's meant to prevent um, the two people in the vehicle, in the, in the passenger and the, and the driver, the front passenger and the driver, from hitting each other in an accident and hurting each other. You know, every, which... time, every time they find a new location for an airbag, it makes me reconsider the terrifying ways in which I could die in an automobile. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, here's a noob danger point that I'd never considered before. The center side airbag, you know, which is where if you and I got if we got into an accident, I would I, my my fl- flimsy body would flail all the way to your side. Well, of the you're car. much taller than I am. So I am definitely the one in danger. Although <laughs> yeah, exactly. if our heads were to connect, it probably would hurt us both. It would hurt us both. Yeah, because my head's um, filled with dank memes because I have no storage for them in my GV80. They they will also have a, a unique adaptive cruise control system, which they say will adapt to your driving style, which means that the closing distances and the speed of reaction to um, the change of the, pe- the 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 change of the distance in the vehicle in front of you will, if if it detects that you're kind of like. You drive really close to people, or you, you you like to close that gap really quickly. So it's going to mimic it, dangerous behaviors. What it you're saying. Was, <laughs> it, I mean, if that's the way you drive, yes. So you can train this car to be as dangerous as you are, yeah, and you don't have to do anything. Point. You could just be like, "All right, car, let's go cause a ruckus," <laughs> yeah. and you go out on the highway, and yeah, okay. Yeah, great, I mean, I, right? Because like when you use adaptive cruise control, there are um, times when you're like, "Why in the car?" Um, Reacting to this change in in circumstances quicker. I don't I, use those exact words, to be honest. But. I know. I, I have a question for you about this adaptive cruise control. So you know how, like, back in the 50s, people used to play chicken because, I guess, cars were cheap and human life was cheaper? Yes. You know what chicken is, right? Where you drive one car at another car, and then the one that, that has self-preservation swerves away and they lose, quote-unquote. So right. if you had this aggressive adaptive cruise control... And you're driving head-on at somebody else. At what point does it break the car and start driving in reverse? Does <laughs> that happen? Sure. Can I uh, train I it to do that? I think you can. I'm certain you can. With enough training and machine learning, it can do it can do everything like a regular okay. person, I'm sure. Okay. The other feature it has actually maybe answers your question. You know how um, Ford collision warning systems can you know hit the brakes for you when if it thinks that you're going to crash into somebody in front of you, right? Yes. This is how this is the whole uh, objective of these features. Unless I train it to quote unquote teach someone a lesson, apparently. <laughs> yes. Um, now I want you to think if you're at a intersection and you're waiting to turn left at an intersection, and there's somebody opposite you trying to do the same thing, and sometimes you cannot see the oncoming traffic. Do you know what situation I'm talking about? Sure. There? It sounds dangerous. Let's just go with it. Okay. This vehicle, using its forward collision uh, avoidance system, will be able to detect. Uh, cars that you cannot see and if you attempt to you know start making your left hand turn when there's um traffic coming it will hit the brakes for you which the latter of which bothers me a lot i think if i'm starting to do a left hand turn and a vehicle is coming towards me and i hit the brakes won't i just sit in the middle of the intersection waiting to be hit yeah and you won't be able to respond in time to that situation my my follow-up question to this feature is can it detect cars that don't exist I don't know about that yet. Okay. You mean ghost cars? Yes, ghost cars. Highways are full. I got to ask that. Where do you think the technology for ghost car detection would come from? I think it would what come from... What is the from... leading research lab? 
I think it would come from the mid '80s classic comic comedy Ghostbusters, where mm. they had a car that could detect ghosts, and that car is out there somewhere, Sammy. It's the, it's not the like Ecto one, right? Yeah, you know Dan Aykroyd found that car for the movie. He's a big car guy, and um, he the Isn't car it an was ambulance? it was an ambulance. I think it's a '59 uh, ambulance, and mm-hmm. it was so problematic on set. Because it was constantly breaking down. And I think at one point they were on a bridge in New York. They were filming. They were just supposed to drive across the bridge. And it broke down on the bridge and caused a huge traffic jam and cost the production a ton of money and time. But Ackroyd was married to the car and he loved it. And he wouldn't let them take it out of the film. And I think he got it afterwards. But I'm not sure how long he kept it. One of the more interesting things. I went to the movies recently and I learned that they're doing a, I guess, a sequel to Ghostbusters. It's called a threequel, Sammy. Or a fourquel, if you will. Yes. Uh, and the car is featured prominently in the um, in the advertisements. Which is what, great, which what is the, yeah, what, one of the weird parts about that movie is I think the kids in the movie are supposed to be related to Harold Ramis's character Egon, yeah. and yeah. Egon himself is Harold Ramis is dead. Yeah. So it's like ghosts of a ghost of a Ghostbuster. Oh yeah, there you go. Way so, to ruin the movie. Ghostbusters is getting really meta. It is getting pretty meta. Um, I also wanted to add one more interesting feature is a active road noise cancellation feature. I think you and I have both discussed um, active noise cancellation inside of a vehicle. You know, these cars have sensors and microphones that pick up the uh, ambient noise inside of a a cabin and then will play the opposite noise or frequency um, to cancel it out. What the GV80 will do will – it has sensors on the outside of the vehicle which can detect the road noise and tire noise of the vehicle and will play the opposite inside the cabin to keep it quieter. How much do you think those sensors cost? Probably a lot to be 100% honest. If you're beside someone whose music you don't like and those sensors hear it, can they play like a track that's louder than the other person just to put them in their place? Only if you train the vehicle. Like if I pull up beside someone who's playing Nickelback really loud – Will mm. they play, like, Celine Dion really loud to, like, drown out the Nickelback? Because it takes a Canadian to drown out a Canadian. That's, exactly. I, that's I, the rule. I don't know if those are the opposites, but yes. Nice. You don't those know are. if those are the opposites. No, they're you both think, Canadian. You think there's a plane of existence where Nickelback and Celine Dion are on the same playlist because they're, quote-unquote, which I've said three times this podcast, <laughs> other tracks you might enjoy include Nickelback and Celine Dion. I'm certain of it. I think if your play, if Spotify suggests that in a playlist, it's mm-hmm. time to get yourself evaluated. Not because that music is necessarily bad, and if you like, I don't have anything against Selenio, but uh, if you're all over the place like that, and I know I've been there, it's it's just maybe time to take a breath and reevaluate because they should kind of be on different playlists, Sammy. I don't know. You watch your Canadian popular music; you'll have it on both. You'll have both of them on. You'll have both, so it's like Neil Young, right to Celine Dion, right to um, Chaclair. Uh, Avril Lavigne, don't forget. Avril Lavigne, right to Maestro Fresh West. I don't know, Sammy. This is starting to get a little out of hand. No, this is a Drake-free podcast. Oh, come on. (laughs) Um, So I'm interested in how this vehicle will will be um, perceived by everyone. I think this is very important because up till now, Genesis not had an SUV in their lineup. They have three S. They have three sedans, which is kind of um, uh, it's ideal. very ja- it's very Jaguar esque. Let's be honest. <laughs> when Jaguar, you know, before Jaguar brought the F pace out, they had the XE, the XF, and the XJ, as well as the I guess the F type. Um, and then the F pace came along, and 
really picked up their sales um, potential. And I think the Genesis will do the same. Well, Genesis is doing the same thing with a GV80. The thing is, the F-Pace and the GV80 are different sized vehicles with different expected price points. Um, and I'm not sure that Genesis going after a big SUV buyer like this is as um, savvy of a move as going for a mid-sized or compact SUV that um, I think is probably a bit more popular well, and I, more accessible. I, I think without a doubt, Genesis should have launched with SUVs. I think they either mistimed or um, didn't quite see where the market was going when Genesis was putting together its portfolio. But at the same time, and I actually wrote about this recently in an, in an article for uh, Inside Hook, the decision to launch with the G70 really made a statement that said, we don't care so much about sales as we do about proving the fact that we can make a vehicle that is as good, if not better, than the BMW 3 Series. So it was very much a statement piece. And, and they, they achieved that. I think they really made I think they that. did. And they, they had the money to do it, and they had the money to say, we don't care if we don't get the volume. So, I mean, kudos to them if they can afford to do that. I think that's cool. Uh, whether it's a great business move, I can't say. I don't, you know, I don't have insight into... I, Hyundai has really deep pockets, uh, yeah. They kind of have to if they're planning to launch a brand new luxury brand completely from scratch. So um, the, I think that these SUVs, maybe they won't do the volume that a compact would, but they'll definitely be profitable. And a com- make, no, make no mistake, a compact is next. Next, They say that um, for a fact that's happening next. And then um, an electric vehicle. They don't know what body style that'll be next. Okay. However, one I of the think, things I that think, Sammy, spoiler, I, I think we can probably safely assume it will be an SUV. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Um, one and, of the- and then they're going to follow that with an SUV. And they're uh-huh. going to follow that with another SUV. I'm just doing the math here. Um, all SUVs coming up. Yeah, that's it. That's everything. Okay. Yeah. Um, one of the things that they were very clear about was as much as they uh, as much as they enjoyed um, and they put a lot of their DNA in the G70, they believe that the GV80 is the is the first fresh Genesis design from the ground up that was not influenced by any other product in the Hyundai Kia um, sort of cadence product cadence. And that, okay. so you know, you and I have talked about the G70. It does share a little bit. Um, technically with the Stinger, for example. And they're saying that the GV80 has um, almost no, probably no connection to any of the other vehicles in its lineup. And the design as well is uh, made specifically for um, Genesis. And, and the, the, the upcoming SUVs that are going to follow it, are they going to be based, based on the same platform, like different lengths and, and sizes? Uh, we're not sure about that yet. And they're not, um, they haven't been eager to talk about what's happening next. They're very much focused on the GV80 right now. Which I guess is fair. Usually, automakers deliver this great line that says, um, "We're not ready to speak about future product." But I mean, the idea of developing a bespoke single-platform SUV seems yeah. a little, a little far-fetched. I agree with you. I Just think in terms of the cost it would take, it makes it makes a ton of sense. And I mean, if you can take out that third row in this vehicle and call it the smaller GV80, I guess a GV80 coupe. Yeah, there you go. Um, I you suppose know, they can do that if they want. Porsche should make a Cayenne coupe. Yes, they should, Ben. That would be very smart of them. Um, is there anything else you want to th- you want to ask me about this car? No, I think you've really covered it. I wanted to say that they they had a very interesting description as to how they design things. As you know, Hyundai and um, the Hyundai Motor Group has um, 
pretty big legacy in terms of design. They had uh, Peter Schreier there, and he's now no longer, I think, in, ter- in, in lead of design. He, there's somebody named uh, Luke Donkeywork there, as well as someone named Sangyap Lee. Um, and many in many automakers, these like superstars of design pen the most important products, say like the GV80, which would be one of the biggest bestsellers of the brand. And what Hyundai was made clear to us is they don't have that. They don't do it that way. What they do is they kind of send out a pitch to all of their um, design studios around the world. And they have three design studios, one in um, North America, one in Europe, and one in Korea. And they say, we want you, this is what we want in the car. And they give a list of demands. And then they say, pitch us with what you think the car should look like. And each each studio gives them their 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 best uh the two lead designers go and check out all of their work and make sure that each of them are progressing with something different than the other and then they they are not only just the coaches but they're the jury as well and then they'll take um one of the designers from the winning the winning choice and bring them to korea and let them see it to completion which i think is very unique and very different um, as opposed to some other automakers, which maintain that one studio is designed, is made for each product or um, is the sort of the flagship design studio, which I thought was very interesting. I enjoyed their conversation and description of how things work there. And I think as a young luxury brand, it's important to try new things like this because the luxury automobile industry does not does not need Genesis. They said this before. They need to make a mark um, and make sure that people want them. Is there anything else that you wanted to bring up about the vehicle? No, that's it. Thank you for listening. I, I'm totally, I'm always there for you, Sammy. And uh, it, I know a lot of our listeners are always there for us. And we're there for you, too, if you want to get in touch with us and let us know what you think about Genesis or about the X6 or the people who buy X6s. Or if you're one of those people uh, and want to tell us your reasoning behind the decision, you can get in touch in a number of ways. On social media, you can find Sammy at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing, on Twitter, whereas I'm on the more friendly and just generally nicer place to be of Instagram. And you can find me there at Hunting Benjamin, or you can email me, Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com, or go to UnnamedAutomotivePodcast.com and use the contact form there to get in touch with us. As well, if you go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, you can see our previous episodes. Uh, you can listen to them if you want to as well. There's like 150 or so uh, if you have some time on your hands and want to do some catching up with our recurring jokes or inside, I guess they're the same thing. Inside Maybe jokes. you're trapped under a boulder somewhere and you have an internet connection and for whatever reason, this is how you choose to use it. <laughs> yes. Why not go out in a blaze of automotive podcast glory? And while you're on the website, you can subscribe so that you can hear the next 150 episodes that are coming up. Um, not all in one go. They'll, they'll come out a week at a no, time. That would kill you. <laughs> um, and you can do that through your favorite podcast client or there are links on our website, unnamed automotivepodcast.com. Are those links, are, are they buttons, Sammy? They're buttons. Okay. And uh, <laughs> next week, what are you going to be bringing to the table to discuss? I'm going to bring a, uh, a Subaru Outback as well as a Honda Passport. I'm going to be comparing these two um, supposedly rugged uh, SUVs, and we're going to see how it goes. Supposedly rugged. Okay. And I'm going to be d- dry- discussing an actually rugged SUV, the Toyota 4Runner uh, TRD Off-Road. So that's, that's good timing. I like that. It is going to be an interesting podcast. And thank you once again, everyone, for listening, and we hope to have you back next week. Bye.